It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, go to ellerslie.com. Well, Eric, next week we're actually diving into our new series that will be releasing Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So I'm super excited about getting to that. You're doing life and leadership lessons, right, from Teddy Roosevelt, Uh (laughs) from the teddy bear. We could just call him Teddy. I I like this idea. Uh, And I'm doing life in the word. And then our third one is going to be this series. We're just going to continue it, looking at life lessons. One of the things that we were talking about is, you know, we live in a culture that is very, the church culture at times can be very legalistic, can can be very obsessive with duty and discipline and rules. And I find my, my joy, I find my salvation, I find my hope in trying to keep a list. Could you talk about just the difference in how profound it is to to shift from a rules to a relationship thought process? Yeah, it, it's funny because I don't know anyone who enjoys the law version of life, uh, where there is a motivation that the reason we do it is sort of like I always say, like a chore growing up. Why would I do my chore? Is it because I enjoyed doing my chore that my mom assigned me? No. It's because that if I don't do it, there's punishment that hangs in the air. So my motivation is to avoid punishment. And that is the classic law mode uh, that we default to, even in Christianity. I don't know why it is that we have a religious bent that way as humans, but it's like, I need to be righteous. I need to whip up some goodness. I need to get my little checklist going. And if I can do that, then God will not punish me. And ironically, there's probably a whole bunch of people listening to this that if they could realize I'm talking about them, that that is a weird default position that we go into. And it almost sounds unspiritual to the human mind to say that Jesus Christ set us free from that. (laughs) Because like, whoa, whoa, that's like... uh, and it's like just going wild. You know, if I were to think that I'm not under that, it almost sounds like I'm going off the, the you know, the the rails. When in actuality, Jesus Christ sets us free from this law modality and moves us into, I mean, you could call it a grace modality, but I like to call it a relationship modality where your motivation isn't to avoid punishment, it's to cultivate intimacy and relationship with the living God, that God has already solved our legal dilemma, that he has already solved our Everest climb of righteousness. And he says, I know you can't do it. We're like, but I'm still trying. He says, I know you will never be able to. That's why I did this for you. And when we accept the work of Jesus, We are accepting his righteousness as ours. And it's like solving the great Rubik's cube of the human soul. It's like, I can't figure this out. I'm trying, God. I'm trying my hardest, but please don't send me to hell. When we just come to Jesus, it's like, I did it for you. I've solved the Rubik's cube of your legal dilemma. And if you will just rest in me, then you're fine you're okay. We're like, well, what about my righteousness? But what about my excellence? What about my perfection? He says, first of all, your job is to trust that I am your perfection, that I am your righteousness, that I am the fulfillment of the law. And that's really hard for a human to get to 
But when we rest in that, we are experiencing the true benefit of the work of Christ. So I, I'm not sure if you want to add to that because I mean I could keep talking on this subject. This is this is there's a reason why it's a life lesson for both of us. <clears throat> I, I I find it so fascinating that I think American culture doesn't help us either because we our whole whole mentality is like you know pick yourself up by the bootstraps. It's all independence. It's all yeah. self works, and I think that is bled into the church. And I think even on top of that, even as you're talking, I was thinking you know one of the things I often talk to our students about is that idea that when you come into the Old Testament and you see God as a mean, nasty God stomping on people's heads, ready to flick them into the abyss, right? Burn, baby, burn. Uh, then we have this really nice Jesus who's come to save us, but then he's coming back as this mean, nasty Jesus who's going to stomp and judge everybody. When in reality, actually, that's not true, that God has not changed. And scripture is very clear that what we see in the person of Jesus is how the triune God has always been. Which means, as I go into the Old Testament... And this has been such a profound shift in my thinking as I study. God is not actually a mean, nasty God bringing judgment. He's all about life. He's all about redemption. He's all about saving. He's all about relationship. And when you when you actually look at the Old Testament that way, which is not how I was brought up, but when you actually look at the New Testament that way, he, he's, he's still righteous. He's still holy. He's still going to bring judgment. So it's not that any of those diminish. But it's all done from a heart of love, right? As First John chapter four, verse eight and verse sixteen says that God is love, and that's true in the Old Testament. And then you see the culmination of that in the person of Jesus. And I think if we see the Old Testament as a God who is ready to stomp and ready to judge and ready to flick you into the abyss, it puts so much weight and and earnestness in our own soul to almost uh, produce the life that God's calling us to live in our own merit. And yet Jesus said that the best that the Old Testament could produce was John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. And yet he's the very least in the kingdom of heaven. And there's this amazing freedom when we realize, as you just mentioned, it's not our effort. It's not our talent. It's not our wisdom. It's not our ability. It's actually his ability and his wisdom and, and his resource in us that actually accomplishes everything. And then as we talked about in the last episode, we're to live in that relational uh, movement of God in our lives, which actually frees us to actually live the Christian life, but not in our own merit and strength, but in, in his, which is beautiful. The illustration that I've used in my soul to even articulate this to myself is, you know, when I was growing up, my mom would give us kids chores. I hated chores. And I don't know any kid, you know, if you were to, you know, pull them and say, hey, do you like chores? Kids aren't meant to like chores. It's probably good that we don't. <laughs> but the reason you do them is because if you don't do them, there's punishment. And what kid wants punishment, right? So, okay, I'll do my chore, but not because I enjoy it. It's because I don't want to be punished. And when you are under a chore mentality, you will always do the bare minimum. So, you know, Eric's supposed to clean up the kitchen after dinner, and it's, you know, it's on this chore uh, chart. And so I'm like, oh, and I'm groaning. And I, I thought I just did that. It's like, my mom's like, no, Mark did it last night. And Chrissy did it the night before. It's your turn. It's like, oh, and I would get mad thinking there was some conspiracy to put me on every night. I wanted to go to the park and play baskets, or play baskets, play basketball. <laughs> and there was something I wanted in life, but a chore stood in the way. And so what I will do is I will do the bare minimum 
to be able to check it off my list. And so I don't actually pick up everything, move it off the counter, and then deep scrub the counter. Oh, no, 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 no. This is a chore mentality, which means I just need to get the job done. So what do I need to do in the bare minimum to get the job done? I just need to get the spaghetti stains off the counter. That That's, that's enough. My mom won't know the difference, right? And I am going to just make sure everything is moved into position where it looks clean. I don't need to do a deep scrub. I don't need to get spray out and do anything. I just need to create a imitation polish. And I would say that's a pretty good definition of the way I grew up as a Christian too, is yeah, I believed in Jesus, but following Jesus was a chore because I wanted to not go to hell. (laughs) And I would, yeah, give me a choice, heaven or hell. I want heaven, but I want to go play I was going to say baskets. Uh, <laughs> I should go shoot baskets at the park. I have an agenda in this life. I have one life to live and I want to do what I want to do, which is shoot baskets, right? I don't want to just serve Jesus. And so that's the shift that is going to take place in my life. And you know, I don't want anyone to think highly of Eric Ludi and the fact that I'm going to share this story because it only happened a couple of times, but there were times when my mom was gone, the kitchen was dirty, and I had an inspiration. And that is that I could clean the kitchen for my mom. And so I went about starting to clean. And when you clean out of a motivation of a love relationship, you actually are inspired. You have enthusiasm for the task. And get this, you don't do the bare minimum, you go the extra mile. I would move everything off the counter. I'd deep, I deep. I would get every spray bottle out, every detergent, I'd mix them all together and scour the, you know, cause I didn't know what everything was, right? And I didn't <laughs> use it uh, when I when I was supposed to. And so I just wanted it to be clean. And I would go the extra, I would polish the, you know, the appliances. I, I would, I would do, even when my brother would come in to get a glass of water, I'm like, hey, get away from that. You know, go down the hall to the bathroom. This is, you know, clean. I was protective of it. And I envisioned my mom the entire time coming and dropping her grocery bags in shock and saying, who cleaned the kitchen? You know, with the tears streaming down her face. And I was going to then raise my hand and go, that was me. And then she would hug me. It was a relationship. The difference in Christianity of how we are motivated to do what we do. When we get up in the morning, are we living at a chore uh, type of thing with, with God, or are we doing a relationship thing with God? I want to live with excellence for God. I want to do what I do because I love Jesus, because I, I don't want anything to block my relationship with him. I want to express my love back to him. He has given me so much. I want to give to him. And I tell you what, it causes your Christianity to be lived out with a huge smile on your soul, a huge joy bubble inside of you. When you live for relationship as opposed to to avoid punishment. And I think this makes a lot more sense when you read Galatians or specifically like even in the in the, uh, uh, in the Gospels where Jesus says, you know, if you love me, you will obey me. And it's like well, a lot of times if you're coming from a legalistic perspective, you hear that and you're just like, Ugh, all right, I guess I'll show my love by doing these obedience. And I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I think what he's saying is in, in the relational concept, that when you love Jesus, you just cannot help yourself. You want to obey. You want to walk in the reality of, of his life and his holiness and his the richness of who he is. And it's not because it's a checklist, because uh, you can you could do the things on the checklist, die and still go to hell. It's not about doing a checklist. It's about allowing the reality of his life to be within us. Um, and 
we, we, you know, as, as life lessons, this was so pivotal in my, my spiritual life because having grown up in a very legalistic mentality of do this, don't do this, uh, it, it really is stifling. It, it, it does bring death. Yeah. And the moment I began to realize, actually, the reason I should read my Bible is not because I have to, but because I can get to know Jesus. Uh, the reason I get to, the reason I pray is not because I have to pray and God says pray. It's because I actually get to commune with the living God. The, the reason, and you start going through all the disciplines, we call them disciplines, but I think even that language is, is horrible <laughs> because it sounds like you have to grit your teeth and, and, and try to pull this off. And yet well, the, the kind of the mental image I have is, you know, like trees bearing fruit. You never see a tree gritting its teeth bearing fruit, right? It's not trying to muscle its way into, into fruit production. It's not a duty. Fruit production is a delight. And it's when, when a healthy tree just has the life of the sap within it, it cannot help but produce life. Mm-hmm. It cannot help but produce the fruit. And so if the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and the list, then those will naturally come out of our lives, not when we're gritting our teeth trying to produce love and patience, but when I'm so tight with Jesus that he just He just bubbles forth out of my life because these are the His fruits that, that come out of me. Do you have any just final practical thoughts just as... You know, as someone who's listening, uh, we and again, I, I get a lot of these questions. Um, just how do I get out of legalism? How do I get out of this thought process? How do I, how do I move from rules to relationship? Do you have yeah. any just practical thoughts that we can give someone? Yeah, Paul in the book of Philippians is going to talk about a phreneo. That's the Greek word, and it's the way I've best looked at it. It gets translated as attitude or mind. It's like a pair of glasses, the, and, and this is Philippians two five for those who are curious. Yeah, and. So we're supposed to put on the attitude or the freneo of Christ. And that's a good practical step because to do that, you need to take off the old glasses. The old glasses are an old way of looking at life, an old way of looking at righteousness. Like, I need to be righteous. Well, you do. That is true. But the way that that's fulfilled is in Jesus, you know, I, I need to be holy. Well, that's true, but the way that that's fulfilled is you need to be in Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit. That's the only way that you're going to ever get any holiness out of your life. You know, I need to be this, 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 and this. We have our laundry list, but we have old glasses on thinking it's up to us. And what we need to do is take off those old glasses and put on the glasses of the kingdom, the glasses of Christ, which begins to see the real purpose of what Christ came to do, that sees the righteousness of God in Christ that sees holiness, that sees power to live, that sees the ability to obey, that even sees the ability to live well, all found in Christ. And so I would say the most practical thing we can do, even though it doesn't sound maybe that practical, how do I take off imaginary glasses? They're not imaginary. They're very real. And if you've lived under the the modality of law, and uh, legalism of rules, you can taste it when you're hearing something like this. I don't want that anymore is probably what you're thinking. Well, there is an answer for that. And that is a new pair of glasses, a new way of looking at life, a new lens to approach your everyday in. And it is life-giving. No longer is it bare minimum. So I can get to the park and shoot hoops. It is now what can I possibly give to serve Jesus? It is going the extra mile because of love. That's so good. So maybe just to summarize, <clears throat> I think regardless of whether we feel like we're in the rules or the relationship camp, 
my guess is we really just, all of us need to spend time at the foot of the cross and really spend some time in prayer and allow the Holy Spirit to really search and try our hearts. Because even those who, who may be living in the relationship realm, there are probably still some things that feel like it's a have to, not a get to. It's a duty, not a delight. And it'd be really good for all of us to be submitted and say, okay, Lord, will you search every area of my life? And will you just see if there's, or put your finger on anything in my life where I'm doing it out of an obligation or a have to, rather than just living in your perfect righteousness and what you've already purchased in my life. Um, and as you've already mentioned, this reality of, of shifting from a rules and a, and a have to and to a, oh, I get to, and it's all out of relationship and, and living out of what he's already purchased and done, uh, it is such a game changer in life. It, it produces so much peace and joy and life. And it's not about how close to a line can I get to before I fall off. It's, wow, how I have the privilege of becoming like God, yeah. uh, of, of being conformed to his image, of walking in holiness and, and godliness. And, and it, it's, it's not about how close to the culture can I get. It's, it's all about, I get to be like Jesus. And there's such a joy that comes out of that, not because it's, it's a have to, but because, wow, it, it's such a privilege. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. If you'd like to learn more about Ellerslie, our discipleship programs, or support the ministry financially, please go to ellerslie.com to learn more. Thanks for listening.